It's a beautiful January day. Oh, crisp. Oh, my goodness. It's so nice. Let's talk about that. I'm John. I'm Johnny. And we're here to continue the conversation that has been going now solving for 94 the, episodes. Solving the world's problems. That's right. One unscripted conversation at a time. How much better would the show be if it was scripted, though? Do you ever think about that? Yeah, a lot of writing. We did some research. No, I'm just saying if we just went, today's episode's going to be about, yeah. Well, people do that, but we started this podcast with a different paradigm than that, Johnny. You mean the paradigm of laziness? <laughs> That's not true. I've never heard laziness referred to as a paradigm. I think it's very... Uh, well, yeah. Everything's a paradigm. You know, all, all, however it is that you are right now, that is sure. your belief system. You may say you have no belief system. That's also a belief system. Yeah. That you have none. Guys, yeah. thanks for listening. That's yeah, there was a scene in a movie where a guy comes up to a girl and says, I could give you a line, you know, but I'm not that guy. I don't have a line for you. I just wanted you to know that you're whatever. And she was like, that's your line. <laughs> not having a line. That yeah. is your line. Yeah. You know. There's always a layer beneath things philosophically. I thought the other day about getting a degree in philosophy. Yeah. Like going to get a postgraduate degree in philosophy. But would, maybe you already have it. There you go. Would Maybe that's really... how good you are at philosophy. You're like, but... <laughs> what are degrees, really? <laughs> do you don't have a desire to go back to school for anything, do you? No. Uh, yeah, I mean, I want to learn. I want to make myself better. But I think that it's school's so expensive, right? Yeah. You really can learn is. everything on the Internet. Well, I think you like certifications, though. You're very uh, you need medals oh, hanging wow. up behind you. <laughs> You need some. You need something to say. Hey, I did this and I completed it, and now you can look at it and say, "Oh, well, you're." You're very not going to be satisfied until I remove those medals, are you? <laughs> and what? Put them in a drawer. Melt them down. Is it not? And it, give the silver to the poor because, uh, by the way, they're silver. Oh, I'm sure it's solid silver. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. I don't. I do. I can say. Yeah. Because you know you can learn. Like if you want to learn anything, it's on the internet. I don't know, man. The internet. I would rather read a book. Yeah. Now, books are on the internet. Yeah. I can order books off of the internet. But I just, I don't know. I just, um, there is something about a professor. There's something about mm -hmm. being taught. I mean, the idea that you can self-teach just with information, I think, is... is. But you're getting that professor's biases and stuff mixed in. Correct. That's part of the deal, but too. That's, that's apprenticeship and, and mastery. Not that there's not biases in, on the internet. There's right. definitely biases. Oh, no, no, no biases on the internet. I'm not. I'm not anti-education. I'm just saying, like for me, the bang for your buck. I mean, it's so expensive, and and I, I don't know exactly what the purpose would be. I guess I could go and say, like, well, this would help my entertainment career, learning more. The more you learn, or whatever. Right. And like on my taxes, I claim a lot of stuff that it's like, like if I go to movies, sometimes I'll put that on the like if I go to like twelve movies a year or whatever, wow. or fifteen. I'll put that because it's because I'm absorbing pop culture, which helps me develop material. I count my Apple Music subscription. I count my cable. And internet, because I have to have it for, this is part of what I ingest. Oh, I, do I don't know if you could, but I definitely can, because I looked it up. So if you're an entertainer and you get your stuff from like, what's, so if I like I'm out of the loop of pop culture, then my act gets stale, so I have to, so. But I'm a writer. I have to have the internet. That's where I do all my transcriptions. Could on, be, John, online. I don't know. I'll I'm, ask if you do guy. it, I'm going to report you. That would be very, very helpful. I feel like, <laughs> I don't know what the line is. Now, I know this, I asked about clothes, and they said only if you have a clothes that you wear on stage that you would not wear in everyday life which that makes sense like if i have an outfit like a get up have we talked about that like 
the line yeah. where an uh, an outfit becomes a getup. <laughs> like what? <laughs> what do you think that line is? Yeah. I think it's when sequins become involved. Absolutely. No like one Elton, has, John, Elton John has a getup. No one wears sequins around the house. Yeah, you know what I'm saying like, I may wear an outfit on stage. Elton John's got a getup. He's got a get There's up. feathers. Absolutely. There's, There's feathers on. There's horns. Yeah. That's not. You have feathers, a hor- horns, yeah. a boa, and sequins, then you know. There was a tweet I did the other day about it was some colorful moth they found. It's a terrifying looking moth with all these weird appendages coming off of it, and it's very brightly colored. And they said, oh, We found the moth that bit Elton John. <laughs> it's like that's his origin story. It's <laughs> really funny. That is great. But yeah, I don't know. I think uh, so. I don't claim that. I don't claim clothes because I would wear. A black T-shirt and jeans in my real life, so there's no reason right. for me to haircuts. Same thing. Now you could, te- I could technically say, if I wanted to make this case, I could say, well, I would grow my hair bushy and long if I didn't have to do these X Y Z events. Yeah. So the reason I go get a haircut every two weeks is because of this job, and so therefore here's you know whatever fifteen twenty dollars a pop, and I could claim that, but it'd be a weird. That's a weird line. Interesting. We were giving tax advice now to people. Interesting, yes. This is what happens when you don't plan. <laughs> no, I'm going to look in, though, to the internet thing. I'm going to look into having you. Because my wife has to have it. Yeah, it's for business. Well, you have to have it for research and study for your I sermons do. and stuff. Yeah. Interesting. I bet you I can count it. I, I don't know why you're not already. Oh, my goodness. Man, think of the savings. But the issue is, is my internet is bundled in a package through Xfinity, mm-hmm. and my security is in there. I wonder if I can count security. But, uh... Probably I don't know. Uh, protecting my family Protect- from death keep, lets me do my business. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Well, if I was dead, it'd be really hard to write. I'm just, I'm just saying. There are dead that writers. Logic. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> How many dead writers do you know? I don't. Oh, my goodness. Well, maybe. Here's the thing, too. Speaking of death, which I love talking about. Oh, my goodness. It's one of my favorite yes. topics. Do you think, like, I always think a lot about people who become famous after they die. Mm-hmm. And how they would feel about that? They can't you know? claim it on their taxes now. No, but just the idea that, like Picasso, was somebody who became Picasso in his life. He was a icon yeah. while he was still alive. Yeah, which I think really screwed with his head. Mm-hmm. You know, from when you hear talks, you hear people talk about him that knew him. They, it's not. It's ever. It's he became kind of an egomaniac. Yeah, and I think that's fascinating for an artist because. You, Generally speaking, it's ne- you're never appreciated fully until you're dead. Yeah. Which is hard for us to uh, – there was a tweet that I read about that too. It said it was the picture of the modern individual is someone who can't fathom doing something for which he's not appreciated for immediately. So we've become addicted to being appreciated in the moment. You know, yeah, with likes and and yeah. uh, instant response, and so it's it's one of the reasons. And the, the person who was tweeting it was a, a spiritual leader, and he was talking about. I think he might have been a pastor or an author, and he was talking about how that's what's taken contemplation and silent prayer out of our everyday life because we're so used to being like something that's done in private and in secret. It loses its luster in mm-hmm. today's culture. I think that's interesting. That is fascinating. It's like instantaneous gratification has become now instantaneous affirmation as well. Yeah, and we're losing the thing that says, I'm going to develop this discipline mm-hmm. in private, in the dark, where nobody can see in hopes that I'll become this better person. It's Now it's just like, well, if I don't get instant like applause, then what's the point of even doing this? Yeah, it's funny. Dallas Willard talks so much about, and it's it shouldn't be such a, um, I guess, uh, revolutionary concept. Because it's just, we should uh-huh. already know this, but 
like he goes through a lot of the Sermon on the Mount. And basically the whole point of this is the whole point of Christianity is not necessarily what you accomplish, but what is what is transformed about you as, yeah. as yourself, which is why if you spend time, Jesus says, in silent with the door closed and, and, and he breaks down all of those. We take we take like the Beatitudes and make them into these new laws. Yeah. And so the whole don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. And and when you pray, go into the closet and close the door. And mm-hmm. then the Lord who sees you in secret will reward you openly kind of thing. And it's very much like it becomes a new formula for us. Uh, and he, he kind of breaks that down like even the whole turn the other cheek is in the Beatitudes, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like – so it's like this justification for complete pacifism, never defending yourself for some. And for others, it's a complete dismissal of it like, ah, that's just that's just Jesus rhetoric. That really has no earthly cause. And the the truth is Jesus was giving you principles of life that probably would have exceptions. Like things have exceptions sometimes. Even right. Paul writes about that. Like, hey, do this unless this happens and then this. Don't – you know, it would be best that you never divorce. You know, if this were to happen, this may happen, you know. And, and so very rarely even does God lay down some law, you know, especially Christ. He's laying down the principles for which – a life is well lived yeah. in which you experience the Christian life, which is a transformation of self. So going into that closet wasn't about just the reward. It's about the reward is in the closet. <laughs> like yeah. having that time and that solitude and that place of, of secret is where your life is enriched. And that's the point is you become transformed in so Christ. It reminded me of the old like youth group story of the guy who God tells him every day to go push against the rock. You know, this story Yeah, yeah. He goes to push against the rock. It's yep. and and the rock never moves. And then it's been like a year and the guy's screaming at God, you told me to push this rock every day and the rock never moved. You've let me down. And God's like, go look at yourself. He looks at himself and he's all jacked in the mirror. He's like, I didn't change the rock, John. I, I changed, changed you. Yeah, that's good. And then all the kids like weep. <laughs> <laughs> and they run to the altar. That's when you get that. Mm, mm, like from uh, yeah. It is good, though. That's very good. But it's true. And then the whole thing about... Uh, all the things, like even their disciplines, we've taken them and we've turned them into instant information. Think about, think about how many workout photos are on your Instagram feed. Yeah, workout is something you're supposed to go do in old gym shorts. Yep, and a, a baggy T-shirt, and you don't care about how you look because it's about how you're going to look when you're done. Like when you're done with the six, seven months, eight, whatever of this life, it's a lifestyle. But now it's like people put on makeup, we go to the gym. Well, there's an entire athletic apparel, workout apparel yeah. industry now, billions of dollars. Right. Think, same thing with devotions. Uh, think about how many open Bible devotion oh, yeah. with the highlighted thing with yourself in the background looking cute that you've seen. <laughs> it's like uh, we've taken our disciplines and made them about instant affirmation. This Instagram filter it's of weird. your Bible open with steam coming out of your coffee cup yeah. and sunrise in yeah. the background. Yeah. No, and I, it's, it, it is very... I'm not saying it's right or wrong. No. It's just, it's a, it is a, it should be a little bit of a red flag for what devotion and discipline should be though. When you start going, okay, if I was to, if I do this every now and again, but if it's like, I have to let everybody know that yeah. I'm taking care of, I'm doing self care today. So <laughs> when everybody know, it's like, okay, well, what's, what's the deal there? That should show that there's something might be a little bit of broken yeah. in the system. Like I'm, I'm on the U version app and I hide myself for that very, I just feel weird about yeah. everybody seeing what I read every day. The Bible says to hide yourself. I know. And that's what, but I feel also like, but there's also a community component. That's why, right. that's, that's why true. they're doing it. If somebody saw you on it. They, they saw what I read, and they may go that's read true. what I read. 
that's why they're doing it and it's right. But then I realized most of the people on the Bible app who follow me or whatever are not in my community. Yeah. And a lot of them, what I know is, and this is probably my own insecurity. But you have an extended community, John. Don't you think you have an extended community that just kind of watches you as See, a... See, now this is, this is where Laura and I talk a lot. So the way I'm made, I really struggle with acquaintances. Yeah. I really struggle with them. It's just, it probably is a lot to do with my uh, introvertism, has to do with... Uh, what do you mean you struggle with them? Struggle with... I struggle with having acquaintances. They feel shallow to me. I want like real relationship or it feels like a waste or of time. enemies. <laughs> I don't want a lot of enemies. I want to be in community with you or your bitter enemy. I have to... You know, like, Look, if you live in another state or something, I'm okay with that acquaintance. But like somebody around me all the time that mm-hmm. we never actually grow into deep relationship... I'm learning, actually, because it's a fault of mine that it's okay to have acquaintances and friends that aren't, like, deep friends. And some people are just bad at at being acquaintances. They're bad at small talk or they're bad at – and so they, they stay on that level oh. with you because they don't know how to go deep. But I hate small talk. Like, it drives me. It, it Just, like – insignificant talk about nothing where we never go. I don't know. I'm just, a, yeah. you know that, and it probably irritates most of my friends. I just would rather jump right to what's important. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to that whole, would you consider me to be humorous or have a good sense of humor or to be, you know, heavy? And that's why most doubt, most no, likely No, I think say, you're a pretty intense person. Yeah, I think I'm more intense than the other. Yeah. But I just, so th- to your point, yes, I have a larger community around me since I don't feel influenced by them, I yeah. think I feel disingenuous trying to influence them. It's like they're looking in on a window of your life. Yeah. It makes me they're being, yeah. It makes me feel like I'm seeking influence. Yeah. Like, hey, they're going to see me do this and maybe it'll help. You know, and, and, and that's one of the reasons I still have social media, to be honest with you. As, as a writer and other things, I know I have this stewardship to help a book you know, go forth or whatever. I used to put scriptures on there all the time, those things. And I just realized that might encourage somebody. And occasionally I still do it. I just don't see us going past this, you know, and that's okay with me. Like we don't need to call it more than what it is. I only see this either you thinking, man, I should have, I should have posted that scripture. Like that's how I, a lot of people look at it. A a lot of dudes I I do live in community with will say, Hey, I'll, I'll look at a post and think, that that's what I should have done. And I think I struggle with coveting. Right. Um, that, did we talk about this? The fact that coveting is the 10th yeah, commandment, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. like I'm struggling. I don't, I don't want to want your life for my own. I want to be able to look at your life, celebrate with you, even if it's something that I want that I haven't had yet. And then look at my life and be content with, with where it is as I continue to have, you know, growth forward. So that, that contentment with godliness thing being great gain as the scriptures say, I just reverse that. Yeah, I mean, I think there's some people who post like scripture memes, though, and they're just trying to be an encouragement. This is part of them sharing the gospel in their own way. Absolutely. I think it's if I know the person, I'm less likely to judge their motivations for sure. Like I got pastor friends who will post things. I'll be like, that was good. And I I don't I don't second guess them. But if I see somebody who's like, "Ooh, I know that maybe if I know that person's issues, I'm like, all right, well, that was. Well, and I've known people. Here's the deal. I'm now I don't I don't. uh claim to have any idea what people's motivations are, I realize people are made different than I am. Yeah. That's so, and, and in many, many, a myriad of ways. So therefore they may be posting it and it's great and it's encouraging. I'm just saying for me, uh, I would rather, I would rather, again, the podcast, that's one of the reasons I like the podcast is I get with you 
45 minutes to an hour to give context to what it is that I'm, I'm talking about mm-hmm. that I can't get on social media. And I like speaking to people because the same thing I get this time to sort of expound so that it, it makes sense in a grander scheme. But man, a hundred or 200, how many is it? 280 characters. I think so. 280. I, there's not a lot I can do in that besides quote C.S. Lewis or something. He was good at that. But even then we take him or, or we take, Chesterton or we take Spurgeon or whomever, most of us, and we throw this bomb out there under their names that right. is something that is just propping up what we want to say. But right, it came right. out of one of their books. You wouldn't say it. Yeah, you Go wouldn't. back and read their book. It has more. You know? Right, right. And then that's the thing, too, with most quotes is we only put the quotes down that kind of prop up our own biases. You never, you never, you very rarely see someone with a well-rounded uh, view. Yeah. Uh, or like they'll put the opposite uh, there's a friend of mine on Facebook that does that. He'll post something. He'll be like, well, this guy hates Trump. Then he'll post another thing. Well, this guy's propping up Trump. It's the same guy. He just likes playing both sides to see what people will do. Wow. Uh, and also, I think he's just a centrist. And he's just like, no, I can see good and bad in everybody. And so, but yeah, most of the time, it's somebody always posts Fox News or always posts CNN, CNN. based yeah. on their own, you know, biases. Um, and I am trying to be a, you know, something... I believe is that nobody is one thing, but we really believe that they are. Nobody is one thing. Well, you don't think that about yourself, so but it's easy to boil someone else down. Yeah. That's what I worry about sometimes with comedy, I think, because comedy is this thing of there's an economy of words. Yeah. I need to get to the punchline in the least amount of words. The setup is the unfunny part of the joke. And... uh you, so you want to get to the punchline. And I think what it can develop in you as a person is uh, boiling people down because you're boiling down a scenario to its core. And uh, that's fine in a joke. But in real life, it's really dangerous Yeah, because I would never want somebody to do that with me. Oh, Johnny's funny and that's it. Yeah. No, and that really bugs you when people treat you that way. Or, yeah, or just they just assume things about you because you do this for a living or because you, yeah. you know, or, yeah, you just go, okay. But th- but I do it to other people. And, you know, it's hard not to, to say, like, oh, these are five things I know about you. All right, you must be this. Mm-hmm. And But nobody likes having that done to them, so I don't know. I went up, I was watching Parks and Rec last night, mm-hmm. and there was an episode where they had all of these dogs from the um, rescue. Yeah. Uh, kennel or whatever you call it. And uh, I'm not into animal rescue, apparently, as you can tell. Uh, I mean, I want it to be done. You bought yours from a puppy mill. Sorry. Uh, And uh, on a conveyor belt, they came out. And they're like assigning one of the dog's pictures to everyone in the office. Yeah. And they're like, oh, this person's like this because, oh, yeah, yeah. And April goes to assign one of the other ladies. I forget her name. Um and says, you're a poodle because you know, you're pretty and you're this and that. And she gets real offended. Yeah. And she's like, "Like I'm, a, I'm not offended you picked that or said I was pretty. I'm offended that you thought that was all there is. You don't really know me. Mm-hmm. You know, and because she had all of these really deep things. She's let me tell you why I picked this for you. And it was like this, you know, yeah. deep psychological right. evaluation of, you know. And I think that that's, I think that's the case. Like nobody, you kind of want to be summed up buy something if it's something good yeah or something deep right yeah like a lot of guys who want to go into ministry they would love the idea of being a leader of a ministry yeah and it's like this thing i, w- I want to be pastor john you know i want mm-hmm. i want that 
Um, I remember yeah, if I, you took that away, it's like, where's my identity or whatever. You know, when I first started, that was the thing back in the, in the late nineties, early two thousands, when you had voicemail and everything, it was like, mm-hmm. Hey, this is pastor John, John driver of uh, edge student ministries. Uh, you, you know, like you got, give all these credentials, uh-huh. you know, on it. Yeah. And it's like, um, and then I, somewhere I didn't keep that for long. I remember when I would talk to other people whom I respect and get their voicemail, they wouldn't have that. It would just say, I'm Bob. Right. Yeah. And it kind of, I realized suddenly, oh, this sounds really pretentious that I need to list my entire, yeah. you know, uh, all the things I am. So I think that getting getting away from the idea that you are summed up by your best attribute. In fact, that's one of my daily declarations in prayer. This, I don't say every one of them daily, but I try to say some of them daily is that there is more to my being than what I am good at doing. Mm-hmm. And there is more to my being than what people praise me for uh, or, or what I'm successful at. And there's more to my being than what I fail at. Because mm-hmm. both of those feel right. very we're, true. Right. We're not summed up by our worst moment or our best moment. Yeah. yeah. And my identity is wrapped up in the redemption of Jesus and being known by him and knowing him and his people like if I can really live there, it, it is a life changing thing. I, I default back every yeah. day to the other, but I, it'll slowly you just become more, you know. But yeah, today it'd be easy to sum me up either by what I'm not good at or what I'm good at, and I think that that's the that's the problem. Yeah, sometimes uh, you know, going into this year, I'm dealing with that little bit of like uh, you're waiting every year to see where the dates come. You're like, okay, well, let's see the cal- the calendar fills up, you know. And I think pe- people assume about what I do that it's just like, oh, well, you're out on tour. Well, you know, you don't just go out on tour. Right. People have to ask you to come. <laughs> right. And so every year you just go, every month you just go, all right, I get to be a comedian to this month because this is where the dates are. And then it just, as you go, the other months start to fill up. And then you make at the end of the year and you're like, oh, I did 100 shows this year. Great. It's yeah. a good year. But there's no guarantee every year is going to be that way. And man, I'm you look at a couple of months and you're like, I don't. I have three weeks off, and there's that's not by my. I don't want that. Hmm. But then you're in that three weeks going like, what am I? Because your whole identity is wrapped up in this thing that you do, yep. and what people know about you and what they expect of you. And so yeah, it can be a real. It can mess with your head. You know. Oh yeah. No, it's funny. We were doing just in our rotations. There were about four weeks in a row that I didn't speak. Andrew was going to be gone for two weeks Mm -hmm. after that. And we were kind of switching like, Hey, you do four and I'll do three or four kind of thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was funny, just that small amount of time, not preparing a message, not delivering a message. I remember feeling a little bit and depressed is a strong word. I felt off deflated. Yeah. Yeah, Like, like where, what is wrong? What do I feel? Oh, that's right. I haven't, I haven't gone through this process yeah. that I'm so, I mean, for over 20 years, that's been a process, uh-huh. you know, and that I don't have it today. Well, know? in between books, don't you feel that? Like when you're like, I just oh. finished a big book and now I'm waiting on the next person to come ask me to write a book with them or to start my own book. Yeah. The worst, Laura knows this, the worst things about book writing are the last week of the initial draft of the manuscript. Mm-hmm. And I just had one of those right before Christmas. And it is a... Like, it's hard. There's no way to get through it. You've probably already blown past your word count goal, but you have to finish. Yeah. You know, so the word count goal is like this nice idea. And you, oh, I'm working towards 50,000 words. I'm working towards 50,000 words. And then you reach 50,000 words and you still have two hours of interview left. It has to go to the book. You just got to keep going. So that's, and then call it it's down. deflating. You're like, oh, I can't, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm never going to finish this. 
And then when it finally is done and your last edit is out, mm-hmm. yeah, I struggle. It's kind of like going on vacation. My first two, three days of vacation, I have to really wrestle. Yeah. I don't know how to stop. I don't know how. And usually I worked myself to the bone to reward myself with the vacation. Like I'll finish the manuscript right the day before vacation. I'll make it work, mm-hmm. get all of my lists done. And you think you can just turn that off, you know, right? because you're so wrapped up in doing uh, and I can't, you can't, you know, that's why I'll get on vacation. I need to go run five miles. Like I need to, I need to, you know, I, I, I need to read this whole book today on the beach. Like you begin making these other ridiculous mm-hmm. <laughs> accomplishment based type tasks, but no, absolutely. It, it messes with me. I'm trying to learn to be still better outside of those things, but it's hard. Yeah. I can't imagine. I, I can't imagine with you. Cause I think about that with shows like, okay, well, it's like um, when you get a new booking, I got a booking yesterday and it was like, I told her, oh, I got this thing. It's in April. And it's like this little thing. It's really the best. It's the best because I was talking with another comedian about it uh, who's been doing it 20 plus years. And we were talking about getting a signed contract back and knowing that there's work in the future for you mm-hmm. that will pay you an X amount of money and you get to go on doing your job. For until then, yeah. at least, is better. It's it's like the best. Uh, doing the show is like fourth. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's like um, I don't know. It's weird, and that's the part of it that there's healthiness to it. And I think having a purpose and knowing your purpose is a big deal. And I think that's why comedy really fulfills me because I feel like I was made to do it, and I figured it out. Like I think a lot of people never figure out what they were put here to do. And I was 33 when I started doing comedy. So it took a long time, but I figured out this is what I'm good at that not everybody's good at. And now I'm going to go spend my life getting better at this and doing this for people. It's a, I feel like I, I don't want to say I, it's not altruistic where I'm like, I just want to be a servant. But I do have part of that in me where I'm like, I want to go serve this crowd tonight. Yeah. So that's a big part of it. But there is part of it that's, that's unhealthy too, uh, if you let it kind of, like you said, wrap your identity, your whole identity is wrapped around this thing. And, uh, where you're like, uh, uh, I heard a story that, uh, a comic, famous comic, uh, Artie Lang, uh, he's famous for being very funny. He's also an addict. He's a heroin addict, a recovering heroin addict. And he was talking about going to get heroin is the best feeling for a drug addict. You're on your way to get the heroin. Wow. And even though I've never done heroin, I can relate to that. Yeah. Knowing that something is out there that I have, that they've booked me to do, they chose yeah. me, and now I'm on the way to go do it, or it's coming up this Friday. Yeah. That's better than doing it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and I don't know why it is, but it is. I think it's because nothing, nothing can be exactly what you expected. Yeah. yeah. It, you know that, but it might be. And so that might be yeah. always, it kind of keeps you, yeah, I yeah. guess. Yeah, like it, it really is. No, I feel that same way. Like yeah. I, I'll pursue things, and most the most exciting moment is when you finally sign it. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. And then You're like, oh, they chose me, and yeah. this is cool, and uh, and like two days it later, confirm it confirms the best things that you believe about yourself because yeah. you're like, oh, they we got your name from another lady who loved. I mean, it's usually something mm-hmm. like that. That was in my business, it's like we we heard about you from this person. You're like, oh, well, that that confirms two things about me. Yep, you saw my clip and liked me, and also this other person liked me enough to recommend. Oh my gosh, yep. So like, I know that in my heart of hearts, I can never exceed that expectation. So <laughs> that's the best feeling. Yeah, you know. 
Well, yeah, especially when you have agents and people who are pitching yeah. you. They're pitching mm-hmm. the best parts. And like, so, have you ever been paid in advance for something? Oh, yes. And then when you do it, it doesn't feel the same as when you get the <laughs> – like, if you know you've already been paid and maybe you've already spent the money. Yeah. I hate it. Sometimes I'll say, don't do it. They'll go, we'll just go ahead and pay this whole amount. I go, just pay the deposit. Because yeah. I want to pick up a check. I want to feel like right. a transaction has happened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's, I always have like this oh crap moment where I'll, I'll tell Laura that. Like I'm in a really exciting book right now. I've finished the first draft. Mm-hmm. I'm working on the edits. And someday I'll talk about it soon. About all this, are some great interviews I got to do. Stuff that related to Tennessee and other things that are just amazing. But that worst moment is, it was exciting when you sign it. Yeah. And then there's the moment. Where it's like, oh crap, I gotta write this. Yeah. And can I, it still happens. Not can I do this, but yes, can I do this or will this work out? You know, are they going to get in here and feel like they made a mistake? I gotta mitigate their expectations because yeah. they've never done this before. And so they're, it's gonna be harder than they think. And it always is. Mm-hmm. You know, at first they talk it all out and they're excited to tell their story. And then I start bringing them hundreds of pages that they have to pull through. They're like, yeah, whoa, yeah. This, right. this takes longer than, yep. It, it would have taken a lot longer if you were to try to write the hundreds of pages. <laughs> mm-hmm. So this is what it is that I, somebody told me. They said, you know, we, we spent all this time, you know, and I said, this normally takes a year. Mm-hmm. And we've done it in about six weeks. You know, like that's, we're doing, we're doing pretty well. Um, and so getting that, but, but then that insecurity of, oh, that's going to disappoint them and they're going to want to pull the ripcord. And, you know, it's, it's, it, there is like this, oh my gosh, on my way to the moment, like on my way to signing, that's the best part. Oh, right. And then yeah. a couple of days after, yay. And then when the first interview is coming up, it's like, oh man, I got to do this. Actually, interviews are fine. It's when the first day I got to open up to a white screen mm-hmm. and start pulling stuff out of the interviews and writing content. It's just, it's okay. If I can get through chapter one, then I feel like, okay, I'm, I'm going. This is going to, you know, work. Well, then you got to pitch them chapter one and then, <laughs> find, you know, it, it, it just at every turn. It never stops, you know, but you never just go. I think if you ever just go, oh, I do this and it's always going to be great. I think that's a bad day. Yeah, maybe those are, I always feel like they're maybe less so than usual than before, but I think there are people, I used to believe there's people out there that have that, that they just go, well, this will always work out and it always does. And I, those people are so foreign to me. I think there may still be those outliers out there, but I think that they're less common now, yeah. you know, than I believed before. I am writing for a guy who's the most optimistic person I've ever met, and he's 89, and he is very successful in business. And but I mean, I mean confident too, though, along with it. But like, yeah, it well, is, it's always worked out. Of course it'll always work out. Well, yeah, there's a humility to his optimism mm-hmm. of he surrounds himself with people who help who help him get better but he also expects here's what he does know we can work hard enough to fix this problem whatever it is yeah that's good so so there's that it's optimism and it's confidence in the work not in the outcome if we work hard enough we can get through this problem if we communicate put the right people around us i think just thinking it's going to work out without putting the confidence in the in the effort or the team i think yes is uh it's shaky ground johnny Mm. yeah let me tell you right now i just don't put confidence in anything how does that? How does that? Does that help? Confidence is a funny word. I just man. go here are my jokes. What do you think? And yeah. I, I put a question mark on the end of all of it, and then I just wait. <laughs> but see, all of us perceive you as confident in your jokes because you get up and do it all the time. I guess I don't know. I think it's like uh, repetition, and I'm confident in uh, the track record of 
the material, I guess. You yeah. just go, well, this has worked 98 times out of 100. And hopefully this won't be one of the two times out of 100 that it falls flat. Yeah. But uh, I felt, we were talking about when you haven't done it in a while, this was my, uh, I went to Indiana to do a corporate event on uh, last weekend, last Saturday. And it was the first time I'd performed in like three, three and a half weeks. And so that first time out is you're usually very rusty. Yeah. When I traveled with Tim Hawkins, he would take a six week break in the winter and in the summer. And those first shows back, he would always be like, all right. And he would know <laughs> he was kind of knocking some barnacles off of the show. Right. You're always going to fumble a word or two, or you're going to be a little wordier than you should be because you're, yeah. you're kind of ramped up. Um, or sometimes you come out too low energy because you're like, well, I don't want to. So you kind of project too low. And I already have a pretty low energy um, show. But it actually went really well, especially for a corporate. It was really great. It was a Christmas party. Oh, nice. In, on January 4th. Oh. So I said, this is the earliest Christmas party I've ever done or whatever. <laughs> I said, maybe we only got 358 or whatever. <laughs> Shopping days left away. But uh, they were great. And it was a dinner thing. So that's always a little bit of a concern. But they were, they were, everybody was done. And so they yeah. were kind of focused. And the lighting was good. They could lower the lights. Yeah. And so usually if I can solve four or five of those things, it's, I feel more comfortable and sure. And it was good, but yeah, I was definitely worried about rust and I'm sure there was some, if I was to go back and watch it, I'd be like, Ooh, that was cringy, but uh, you know, I get over the idea of hitting a home run every time I do something. Yeah. I just want to get on base. You know what I'm saying? Whatever that metaphorical equivalent of getting on base is, mm. I don't want to bomb. Right. You know, I don't think I've ever bombed. Now I've said some things that were bombs on accident. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But that you got to recover. Right. I can't say that. Wow, there's so- <laughs> you're imagining those things, and then you're like, "No, nope, can't do that." So my friend Andrew and your friend Andrew was speaking Sunday, yeah. and he began to say something that's a big joke from us from a past thing yeah. that he said once that you would know. Okay, it begins with the word squirm. Oh yeah, okay, okay. I won't put yeah, that yeah. way. Right, and he he we laughed about it yesterday so hard he. Says, but it doesn't make much sense to tell somebody who wasn't in the moment anyway. I can't, well, so I can't, no, 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 no. I won't have to explain it. Yeah. I can't, they'll get it. He said it. He started to say it. Some of y'all were squirming, and then there's another word that goes along with that. And he stopped and looked at me uh-huh. in his message <laughs> yeah. and then changed the word and then kept going without laughing. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, my gosh. He almost, because that's our, it's a big joke. So yeah. it's just familiarity of words, you know? Yeah. And so I laughed. It's like, dude, you say, he's like, it's very rare. That in the moment, you I just stop, it. have awareness, and mm-hmm. look. I was like, that is where the run-through and the community has made a big difference. Because yeah. we were laughing so hard. <laughs> hey, speaking of Indiana, oh. you know who I had breakfast with this morning? Indiana. With the whole state. Oh. It was unbelievable. Man, that's a big lunch. Breakfast. Uh, with Tony and Kelly and Blake Trent. This oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Tyler Trent. Tyler Trent's parents. They were in town. He was speaking at a thing over at Opryland. We went to Bob Evans. You ever eat it? Ever have, have you ever eaten at Bob Evans? I've eaten Evans? at Bob Evans before. I think it's my first time. It's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I'm a Cracker Barrel man. He had fried mush. Do you know what that is? I think it's mush. Mush. Sorry. Mush? It looks like I don't know. Is it spelled any different? No. Okay. <laughs> uh, mush. 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 That's what you say to the sled dogs. Yeah. Um, that they did a rod. <laughs> or as my friend called the Ibiza dog race, because <laughs> that's basically what it is. Hey, yeah. you won! Somebody check on that dog. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, no, I've, I, Bob Evans is fine, but it's I'm a crack. I feel like it's a there's allegiances right to Cracker right. Barrel or Bob Evans. You think so? Or I, you're an IHOP guy. I don't really care for IHOP's. Just okay to me. What's wrong with you? I'd rather have Cracker Barrel. What's wrong? Nothing's wrong. It's just I mean. Listen, I I'm like, not a huge pancake person. Is part of it. I like Cracker Barrel. I think Barrel. IHOP is Waffle House. IHOP, if, Waffle House, Cracker Barrel, Bob Evans. 
Right. IHOP IHOP versus Waffle House. Waffle House. Waffle House. And it's a new one I just made up. Or uh, Bob Evans Cracker Barrel. Dane Allen, if he's listening, will love it if I say Cracker Barrel because he says barrel. I have a way of saying Cracker Barrel and then uh, lemon pepper chicken. Lemon pepper chicken. <laughs> that Dane, that was just for you. So. And for mine is physician's assistant. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Evans was good. Yeah, it was okay. I had a I had an omelet. It wasn't IHOP omelet worthy. I will say this about Bob Evans: when you ask for gravy there, they bring you a bowl of gravy, and it it's gray. Well, yeah, that's, uh, what it is, is that, sawmill gravy, it's isn't it? It's gravy. It's Versus very gravy. gravy. It looks like drywall mud. It's not. Isn't drywall mud white? No, but it's kind of, when it's wet, it's kind of a gray color. Yeah. It's not appetizing. You didn't like it. <sighs> is Bob Evans Southern? You know, they're more up north that I've seen. I was going to say, I can't think of, but I can of only Ohio think of locations. one Bob Evans in, in Nashville. Yeah, I don't I didn't know there was one here. It's overall. I think of, it's more of a northern. Uh, I mean, like oh, I see a ton of them in Ohio. Maybe that's why. So I'm they're from to. Indiana. That's why he wanted yeah. Bob Evans. Anywho, uh, you'll notice what they gave. Not me a sponsor, on, Bob on Evans. Desk, we're sorry. By the way, really cool. A, tr- uh, a Tyler Trent bobblehead. They gave me a Tyler Trent bobblehead doll. That's very nice. That they used to raise money for uh, cancer research, and it's amazing. It was great. So great hanging out with them. You can go back and listen to some past episodes. Just search our archives. We interviewed Tony and Kelly Trent. Uh, but I helped write the book with uh, Tyler before he passed and as he passed called The Upset. And uh, it made it exciting, the stuff that people are reading that. and mm-hmm. um, It's made a big difference. And- yeah. It's been a year. You know, he, he passed away about a year ago. And, he, and she, she reminded me it was a year this morning from the uh, day of the memorial service, which was an amazing thing. So it was great catching up with them. And his brother, Blake, was there as well. Um, but uh, Bobblehead is really, really cool. So. Yeah, what a great uh, what a great thing! And now you got more you got more trinkets for your desk. You're running yeah, out of room here. It's time. I'm considering. I, I thought about it today. Well, you've I, got the coffee mug with the old church logo on it. That probably needs to go. Yeah, that's a that's an identity. Um, that's an identity shift. It is. It is. I have a Peyton Manning rookie card. But yeah, that you know the cards. I don't know they're worth they're anything. Not. I looked it up. You can't. Yeah. You got to find like a forty-year-old man that it means a lot to him that particular card to I get. I am anything. that forty-year-old man. You just need to keep it. Is then. the problem? Yeah. You should just keep it. Uh, I also have a signed. John Kerry got me that. That's a signed picture from Jalen Hurd in a UT uniform. And of course, he left and went to Baylor, and now and right. then went to NFL. So I'm not he left sure. in a huff. It wasn't just he left. I don't know. I mean, he was not upset. He was not happy with the way he was being used. In no, but he also felt that he couldn't sustain a long-term career. He went and. Played wide receiver at Baylor and did well. I mean, and went to the NFL. I don't know if he's still playing or not. Anyway, I need to clean this up. I thought about downsizing my desk, repainting my office, and kind of going to a way more minimalistic desk. It is a big, it's one of the big L-shaped cabinetry desks. But I also have a lot of things tucked away in all these little cabinets. But do you need those? Do they spark, them. Do they spark joy, John? I don't know if they spark joy, but when I need them and they're there, like mm-hmm. if I need them once every three months, then that's a good feeling. But you're kind of sentimental too, though. Do you, you think so? I mean, if you keep look at this, I'm looking at the book that one of your students made for you. Yeah, like there's no need for that. You're sentimental for it. Well, the that kid, you don't look to the go. Let me have a look in this book. Maybe once I should a week. do that right now. I don't It'd know. Be, it would make you sentimental though. I don't know. I don't think it's wrong to be sentimental. I just mean I think it means that you're probably more likely to be a hoarder in old age though. 
because like you're going to develop uh, a, you know uh, an affinity for well, objects. There are certainly hoarders in my family, mm-hmm. uh, and and but that I, makes you more likely to not be because you run from that, right? A little, yes, a little bit. But I know where it comes from for them. A lot of it comes from extreme poverty in their yeah, childhood. Yeah, they hold on yeah. to everything. And so now there's this, everything has value. Yeah, and, I realize and, that about, and I respect that. I realize that about Curry's dad when like we were in his garage, we were in their basement one time in his garage and he had a tin can full of nails that were not like hardware store nails. They were nails he had pulled out of things and straightened with a hammer. So they were a little bit wonky. Uh-huh. So that's what you did. Yep. You pulled out a nail yep. out of a board and then you straightened it and threw it in the can. So when you needed nails, I was like, nails are what? Yeah. A penny? Laura's grandfather, who passed away, an amazing guy, he, they would re, they would wash and reuse like Ziploc baggies and stuff. Yeah. I mean, like nothing was wasted. Cloth diapers. You would, yeah, you would Ugh. use stuff. So um, can you imagine those days, cloth diaper days? Mm. Washing that debris out. It, without, without a washing machine. Uh huh. Yeah. Hanging those on the line. Get out of here. Yeah. No. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it is time. You know, what I need in life, and this is the way I made I need someone to give me permission to throw something away. Okay. And then I'll know if I really want to or not. If they give me permission and I still want it, then I know it's valuable We did that in the garage. I made Curry clean the, organize the garage with me. And part of that was I wanted her to sign off on, we're throwing this away. Yeah. Which she's fine with it. We, we've been living our life. We've been parking. Our car barely fits. Yeah. around the stuff. So I was like, it's time to do this. It was kind of an unseasonably warm day. So like, let's do it. And I had to convince her. But once we got into it, she was like, oh, good. Toss this, keep this, donate yeah. this. And we had our little piles. And it was a lot of stuff we threw away. But she was there to say it so I didn't have her a month from now go, what did you do with my, yeah. you know? And I was like, no, we were there. We voted. Yeah, Laura's really good about that. She'll give you permission of like, I'll be like, Honey, okay, I don't know. I'm about to do my closet. There's a bunch of stuff I just don't wear, but in theory, I should. Right. And I'm just like. And you might. You can imagine a scenario. Yeah, a scenario. It's like, I, I'm ready to just say, no, I'm never going to wear this. But yeah. there may come a moment. There may come a moment. But if it does. You'll go buy it again because you're making that book And money. then again, that feels like I'm being a bad steward. I should have just kept it. Well, no, you donate it, though, it. and then somebody else can wear it. Your terrible shirt. No, that. That's but you don't idea. love enough. If you donate it, then you. Yeah. I always feel weird getting the donation receipt because they'll ask you, Goodwill, do you want it? And I'm like, I'm going to wait here and get a receipt. I never get it. They're like, because we have to establish a value for this so box. Say, of, are they going to come up with a value? I, I don't never know. And it, it, I imagine it being a process where, what do you, are they going to go through each item and then I got to mm. wait 30 minutes? So I just go, no. But I mean, it's not like I couldn't use the tax write off, but. Yeah. It's like, I'm not even proud I owned. I'm giving, I don't, I'm proud I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't want, want any, any record, record that this. I owned this. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm, I'll let you know when we go through the closet. Um, mm. Maybe I can donate some things to you. I don't think, don't John, wanna... that we're the same size. What? Are you, are you, unless saying... you like, what do you have? What do you have that I could wear? I got some shirts. No, John. You don't think so? And you're taller. <laughs> <laughs> That's very diplomatically put. You are taller than me. It's true. I'm a little girthier. It's fine. Um, no, no. Um, yeah, I need to. I need to give some things away too. We did give a bunch of stuff away, but I have. A sh- I had a shoe problem for a while. I have shoes that I bought because you go to rack room and they go buy one get the second pair off. So I'd buy two pair, mm. and I. So I have shoes that I've never worn. Mm. 
or I have worn them once. It's like, I don't like these because I haven't broken them in or whatever. Yeah. And then you just go, Ugh. and so I have shoes with the tags on them. I had a pair. That's of, just a very, that's a, I should be ashamed of that. Yeah, that's and something. I am. I'm you, a little ashamed. You should be. Normally we don't endorse shame on this show, mm-hmm. but for this, you know, it's crazy. So while we were going up to Indiana, oddly enough, to French Lake a couple of years ago, yeah. I don't know. Every time I've been to Indiana, Illinois a lot in the last two or three years. Well, they're very exotic. No, they're very, they are. And Laura and I will always stop in Kentucky at this, what is it? It's this shoe outlet. And I'm sorry, I can't remember the name the of it. The Shoutlet. It's a... <laughs> But it's like one of those things where you're going to go in there and you're going to spend three hundred dollars, uh-huh. but you're going to have shoes for the next ten years. Right. You know, it's like they're all name brand, high end, and you can get them for cheap. But they're still way more than I want to spend, and yet I'm always glad that we did later because I, I do. They they're like they like I don't know. These are dressy shoes. All of it. Okay. And so they'll shoe me for the next you know they like couple you. years. Yeah. And so I bought these boots, these black boots. Stop or I'll shoe. I just. What's the name of the outlet? No. I'm sorry. And so I just bought I bought these black boots, and she was like, oh, yeah, that'd be great. Just like normal black boots. You can wear jeans or, or whatever. Yeah. And then, and I'm sorry, honey. You have boots? I have boots, yeah. Okay. And so they're like cowboy boots. But then she was like, after I wore them for a couple of weeks, you know, and everything, mm-hmm. she was like, those kind of look like biker boots a little bit. I was like, what? So then I stopped wearing them. So you thought, but maybe she liked that. She was like, I like this and biker. Then, I, I don't like know. the biker side of you. That just doesn't sound like something she would say that oh. would be positive. She thinks she was saying you're being a poser. I don't that's know. How you, I don't that's know how you she, took it. That's she, how you took it. She though. acts like, What do you yes. think? You're a biker now? After she signed off on the She's purchase. The one, yes. She was yeah. like, these are great. That is she, yeah, that's not cool. And Come then, on, Laura. But then later... Yeah. When I'm like, I don't know what what kind of shoes to wear with this. She's like, oh, you should wear your black boots. And I was like, you told me my black boots make me look like biker. And she was like, what? no, they're fine for this. And I'm like, how? what are the rules? Like, how yeah. are you coming up with this? Mm-hmm. And if, once you introduce the idea I don't of, like her attitude. of something negative mm-hmm. towards these boots. And so to this day, and then I put the boots on the other day for us to go somewhere. She's like, yeah, don't wear those boots. <laughs> but she said, not because of like bikers, but because I know they were so scuffed. So I needed to, I guess, polish them. I don't know. I have a weird thing about the Man, boots. Curry, I, Curry would never worry about that. You don't think they'd be scuffed boots? No. would be something that Curry would worry about. I don't know. I'm, I can't help. I don't know even where she we're going. She does not care. I mean, I think Curry would care if I looked disheveled. Like if I went out without a combed head or something, well, like she'd be like, all right, you need to and you let, look like a homeless person. Let me clarify something here. Oh, boy. I went and asked her about the boots. <laughs> okay. She didn't just volunteer. She doesn't. She usually goes, John, it's fine. Everything you have is fine. Like she doesn't. But I she, will. It's fine because she picked it out. But I will persist. Like, no, I want to make sure I look as like, I trust your opinion on this. Again, I need permission. No, I'm saying I probably could use it. I need a, I need Curry to be more. To talk her. about. Yeah. To say, hey, that doesn't match. Moron. But you're wearing a black shirt every day. That's true. Well, so, or, yeah, I have... As long as you're more, not wearing have, navy pants, you're probably fine. Yeah, I don't have any navy pants. Yeah. I mean, blue blue jeans. Do you wear why, blue jeans? Why is it that we can't wear... You had blue pants that color with a black shirt, it would be bad. Right, but blue jeans... But blue jeans with a black shirt We just matches. made it okay. Isn't We've that crazy? made it culturally okay. We have changed literally the way that colors relate to themselves mm-hmm. with, the, with our visual we did, No, we just decided it. Together yeah. as a culture. But it truly khakis, looks right to us. If you wear khakis, we're going to let you get away with anything. See, there are some things we look at, for me and you probably in our generation especially, and being non-fashion guys, that we look at it and we say and to ourselves, I will see some people wearing stuff and I'll be like, that's okay because culture has said that's okay to wear right now. Yeah. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, 
To me, that looks really ridiculous, though. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But I have accepted the rules. To me, hoodie and shorts guy, oh, or sometimes it. big coat and shorts guy. I am a hoodie and shorts guy. That's my favorite thing to watch. Like when the, especially like Indian summer, or when you get into you know like you have the unseasonably warm day, and somebody's out pumping gas in a winter coat and shorts. I don't do winter coat and shorts, but I'll do hoodie. I've and seen shorts. winter coat short sandals. That's Andrew. And you're like. And they're and they're shivering. They're like, I gotta get a bigger coat. Put on some pants. <laughs> like you just, I know the secret. Get pants. See that there are some things we look at and we say that's okay because because someone else has said it. And there are some things we actually believe it's okay. Mm-hmm. I believe blue jeans and a black shirt are okay. Yeah. I don't look at it and go, someone said that's okay, so I think it's okay. Well, I'm saying, but we've been conditioned for you know for our whole life that you can wear anything with jeans. Yeah. You know. Sometimes I feel weird when I wear like uh, a shirt that is the same shade of blue as my jeans. I'm like, I'm gonna look like a like I'm wearing coveralls. Yeah. You know. I get self-conscious of That's that. That's true. I try not to be monochromatic with, with the shirt color and the jean color. Remember when the monochromatic thing took over with ties? Yes. Because of who wants to be a millionaire? All these shiny, yeah. Re- Regis. The Regis ties. Yeah. Where he'd wear the dress shirt that was shiny oh, and I had then a, a shiny whole... tie that was the same. Well, I was likely to wear... Back so a lot of pastors doing that. In those days, I was wearing ties to church and stuff still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, now, if you did it, it'd be like you're being counterculture. Oh, John dressed up. Oh. This is interesting. I keep waiting for it to come back around. I think I still have some of it, but. I don't, I don't want to wear, wear it. I, I don't wear a tie unless it's. I wear a tie at weddings, funerals. Somebody is dead. Yep, weddings and funerals. Even weddings, I'll try to wear an open shirt with a with a with a coat open. Like just a blazer. straight up open shirt, button, just, unbuttoned yeah, all unbuttoned. the way. There you go. <laughs> it's bold. <laughs> that is bold. And the it? coat has fringe. Is that cool? <laughs> is that not a? No. If I wear a tie, someone's gone. Someone has passed on. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. I think I might for a wedding wear a tie, but it would be. I need to be a groomsman. Like if I'm a guest at the wedding, oh yeah, it's a, it's just a, a it's a dressier shirt. You have like a black button up shirt though, don't you? Black button up. I've got a, I've got some several colors now. Yeah, I'm feeling. I'm going out there. I'm wow. I'm feeling. Can I tell you one odd side effect of modern jeans? And I'm glad we're on this topic, Johnny. We're, we're Me too, man. We're solving things. We're going today. through. So you know, a lot of jeans have stretchy material in them now. Yeah, and quite honestly. For working and stuff, sitting in chairs and all, it, it is it is like revolutionary. Yeah, and so my, almost every pair of jeans you buy now has some sort of spandex or something in it built in. You know. Yeah. But here's what I realized: my old jeans were one of the ways I knew I was gaining weight. Oh right. It was like, oh man, these jeans feel True. tight. And you now get no red flag. I get no red jeans. flag now. I might have gained. <laughs> I haven't stepped on the scale. I might have gained fifteen pounds. Yeah. I might not. I realized today the jeans uh-huh. are betraying me. Like normally, this is my method. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I feel better. But yeah, your belt should tell you though, because your belt would still. That's true. I still have the belt. It does feel a little tight at times. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes the belt fits fits differently in different pairs we of need, pants. We need some stretchy belts. Stretchy. <laughs> we need to bring those back. <laughs> stretchy belts. <laughs> then we won't have to worry about. I it. wonder. You know, you never see somebody our age with suspenders. That's you know? true. And I wonder. There's a suspender age with people. There were some young men wearing suspenders to weddings I've done. Like as the groomsmen and stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah, that that was a thing. But it was very, yeah, very anomalous. But very suspenders much the, every day, that's an age. It's not a... No. It could be an age or a, or a weight thing. That's true because, yeah, yeah. you okay. don't really have a waist anymore at some point. You're just like, let's just hold yeah, this up around this me up. like an egg shape, yeah. like a Humpty Dumpty. Yeah. Humpty Dumpty's always wearing suspenders in those photos. If you've ever seen a drawing... Around the egg. It's, uh, it's suspenders because, yeah, what do you... Yeah. 
What's the belt doing? Could we bring back suspenders? Maybe. I don't think we could bring back anything. No, you know not us, but I'm saying an influencer. Like an Instagram model started wearing suspenders that were, you know, don't you, don't you hate made that, of certain material. Don't you hate that concept? That, like, that influencer? So here's the deal. You're one of the smartest guys I know. But we don't care about what you think about fashion, Johnny. We don't well, care. Well, no, and you shouldn't. But this guy who's a model who knows nothing. Yeah, well, but he's... Nah, that was stereotypical. He may know you way know, more than you. He may know a lot. I know. I'm sorry. I, all I know is, is uh, I'm sorry to all the or models Or he's given listening. some... Well, sometimes people are given something because they're attractive and they're like, here, hold this perfume up yeah. and say that you like how it smelled and now we're going to sell this many units of it and it's worth their money to put that... I would not be worth that. Somebody be like, we don't care, Johnny. Yeah. We don't care what kind of cologne you like. We don't care. Just tell us jokes. Yeah. I'm okay with that, though. I'm all right with it. I'm, I'm okay. Look, I'm surprised at, at the tiny amount of influence I have already. And I don't, I think it makes me, I, I'm, I think I'm less susceptible to influence because I'm not an influencer. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, I look at it and go, well, I know, I know the machinations behind this. Yeah. So it makes me more cynical of that. So I'm like, I don't care. Yeah, I unsubscribed from like 40, 50 email accounts today because I realized like most of the spam I'm getting is from like 40 different places Yeah, because I bought something at Target. Now Target just hits me every day. Yeah. So I just went through today and just unsubscribed and subscribed. So I'm very cynical about that. Like, I know what you're doing. I know you're selling my information. Yeah. So just because you're attractive on Instagram does not mean that I want those jeans. Right. Right. How stretchy are they? That's what I need to <laughs> I want to know how comfortable they are. Yeah. Well, that does tell you, listener, that you have to monitor your own weight. You can't trust the jeans anymore. Don't or trust those jeans. Listen to your belt. It'll help, too, according to Johnny. Listen to your belt. This has been very helpful. Like, we're, you know, what people think that we're just, our heads are in the clouds all the time, and we're just speaking about the philosophical depths of the universe and mining all the parts of Mm-mm. speech and we're not culture. Mining. We're not mining anything. We're, this is a practical uh, gut based show like we're telling you the stuff on the ground level that helps you through everyday Sometimes life literal gut in the case of the belt advice <laughs> absolutely we do appreciate you listening though today there are ways that you could be a part of this we're going to be having another uh live stream version coming up soon we'll make sure we give you enough time to join in on that we, we may even do it we, we'd love to hear from you if we did an evening live stream would that be more beneficial to you? Some of, I heard some people that say, yeah, I was working. I just couldn't do it. If we, Talk about that after dark. Yeah. If we did a 630 or something to mm. 730, would, would you – so maybe send us a message and let us know if, you, if that would help or if like, hey, anytime's fine. I don't really care. No, uh, we don't care at all. Right. If you if you have the wherewithal to send us a message to tell us you don't care, I would be shocked. But Yeah. Because that's a that's lot true. of You're wasting your time. For one who doesn't care. But if you do care, you can also go to Patreon. You know, maybe you're thinking it's New Year's. How can I be involved in something good in being yeah. in, in helping been, a good yeah, cause? Yeah, you've been listening a while. So it's like we're not saying we're going to charge you, but we're saying, hey, if you wanted to help us keep making these, hey, that's great. Yeah. You should go over to our Patreon. Just go to patreon.com and look up, talk about that. And you can send us questions. We'd love to have more questions to answer on the show. Uh, tell us what you want us to talk about. Yeah. Sometimes people want us to talk about controversial things. Yeah. So they'll send us a, what do you think about this? And then yeah. it's like, eh. But sometimes it's like, oh, that's a good that's a good prompt. I think we're not as afraid of a controversial topic at this point. You nah. know, almost 100 episodes in. I think that well, we've never wanted the context of our show to be missed. Well, I think as all people get is hot takes everywhere. So yeah. I don't want to be a hot take machine. Right. But there are some serious things happening in the world today that we have opinions about. I hadn't noticed. Yeah, serious things? Who knew? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So, you know, send us what you want us to talk about. We're, we're, we're fine doing that. Um 
and uh, it just means a lot to us that you join us for almost an hour every week. I mean, it's a big deal. I mean, you could you could spend that hour doing anything, and you chose. <laughs> but they probably are doing something okay. else while they listen. <laughs> They're doing something actually productive. They're like, yeah, if I had to sit and listen to this, there's yeah. no chance. I mean, you're not staring at the wall or whatever. I no. would love to know if it's someone's like reading a book while they listen. That's, that's, that's surely that. not. Well, they determine now that multitasking is impossible, right? That you're going to. You can't do two things at once because one of those suffers. Like, well, there's got to be a level of engagement of multitasking because yeah. I can fold laundry and listen to a podcast. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. I, I guess there's a level. Something monotonous and. Right. Yeah. Caring yeah. for your children. Right. the podcast. Something easy. Yeah. How many of you, let us know, do you watch your kids while listening you to the podcast? You pretend to care for your children. You know, we have some people whose children are listening to the podcast, I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're coming of age, getting their phones in that preteen kind of sort of area, yeah, yeah. and they're catching up. So, every, Johnny, that's a That's why we try time. to keep it super family friendly. Very, very family balloon, friendly. We're making balloon animals right now. <laughs> we got one of those things. What yeah. are they called? I don't know. I don't know. Those whistle things that. <laughs> we got a, hey, kids. And you spell it with a Z. That's how you know something's family friendly. You spell kids with a backwards Z. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Hey, thank you for listening, though. It means a lot. And we'll see you next time. We'll talk about that. Hello, my name is Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we're the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, check us out, Life After Addiction Podcast, and you can subscribe at lifeaudio.com.